President Juvenal Javier Imana of Rwanda and President Cyprian Ntariamira of Burundi were returning from a meeting of African leaders in Tanzania. At 9.30 in the evening local time, two loud explosions were heard and the plane carrying them and six other people crashed in flames. Altogether, it's estimated that more than a million people have been forced from their homes by a campaign of butchery that shows no sign of ending. I've seen some of the most terrible things today that I've ever seen. It's been absolutely horrific. <laughs> They killed my children, this woman says. Then they called for my husband, who was still alive. They took him out and killed him too. Something a little different this week. Africa Science Focus takes time to reflect on conflict across the continent in order to determine the impact it has had on research and development. Science is often a victim to disease and war, one all too easily forgotten. Our reporters were able to discover developments in the pipeline that could help East Africa take control of its own big data and promote scientific research that has historically suffered in times of unrest. I'm Sally Amutabe. Ashmi Uba starts this week's report from what was once the center of conflict in Sierra Leone, Freetown. I'm standing here at the far east of um, Sierra Leone's capital, Freetown, in a place called um, Kisi Mental Home, just outside the capital. The incident that happened here on January 1999 is something that the country is still discussing. 1999 to 2020, I remember on that fateful day, on this particular place where I'm standing here, I saw hundreds of dead bodies being eaten by dogs and bats. I also saw charred vehicles, uh, vehicles that were being burnt down by the rebels. Those vehicles were abandoned by them because um, this area is, is uh, linked the city to the outskirts and um, all those who came here to seek refuge were unable to proceed so as a result they had to abandon their vehicles people are still counting the country has now recovered from the war but I can tell you you can still see the scars of Sierra Leone's rebel war The civil war was responsible for the death of over 50,000 people. But what were the knock-on effects? Ashmi caught up with Mohammed Rahman Sore, Minister of Information and Communication, who tells us about the hidden repercussions of the conflict on academics and researchers. Well, I have with me the country's Minister of Information and Communication. Do you want to introduce yourself, sir? Mohamed Rahman Soare, Minister of Information and Communication. And you and I know that the war in Sierra Leone affected research to a great extent. Um, how did, in, in government's perspective, how did that affect researchers and their work? Well, um, research for the most part is done in an enabling environment with conflicts with balls and bullets flying all over the place that might not be 
the best environment for all kinds of researchers. I know during the war years, many Sierra Leoneans, you know, left the country for greener pastures. Some never came back, right? So that is why you find quite a whole avalanche of um, research work is done by outsiders of Sierra Leone. And I'm not sure this is peculiar to Sierra Leone for all of the countries that were in conflict in the Manu River Union. So as a country, we have learned very valuable lessons from that. We had Ebola here, um, which was a big scourge that affected almost all of the Manorera countries. Um, during Ebola, we again did not learn from that. Most of our data, most of the research were done by um, people, residents out of Thoralio who came to do research and what have you, homegrown research, right? We had problems about data ownership, data management, and access to data. As a learning government, these are things we are now looking at as we fight COVID-19. We want to be clear about data ownership, access to data, privacy, and other issues. Although the effects of the war can still be felt, Mohammed thinks that research collaboration between nations is improving. With the rights to access information law implemented in 2013, Mohammed says that more data is available within Sierra Leone, even if it does require proactive effort to obtain. So has post-war Sierra Leone seen improvement in terms of atmosphere and access to materials to ease the work of the researcher? We are not there, we are not there yet, um, but we are on the right path, the right trajectory. You know, even with you media practitioners, you know, um, we have repealed um, the obnoxious aspects of the 1965 Public Order Act which will now give journalists the right um, to publish materials um, without being criminalized. We think that is part of that mechanism. Um, we have, um, like I mentioned, the Right to Access Information Act. And you have, um, you know, a lot of people in government who are themselves researchers, professors, you know, a lot of peer-reviewed articles in major journals around the world who are themselves researchers. You talk about um, the Vice President, Dr. Dujajalo, talk about Professor Francis, you know, the Minister of Finance, a whole lot of them. So they are more likely to support anything research. Okay, and finally, what would be your suggestion or your advice to a colleague minister in other countries that have found themselves in the kind of situation that Sierra Leone was? Um, I'll only say to them, they have to learn uh, lessons from us. Uh, we had a civil war which was for the most part documented by outside researchers. Um, so it's good that you tell your own stories, right? And the best time to do it is during the event itself. We are documenting, scrupulously documenting our story, our processes, our successes, our challenges, even as we fight COVID-19. So at the end of it all, we will be able to tell the Seralinian story, how we are able to keep the numbers in check, how we are able to mobilize the, the nation to support the basic, you know, COVID protocols, hand washing, social distancing, and all of that to keep the numbers in single digits, even as other countries get overwhelmed. Thank you very much, Mr. Minister. God bless you. Thank you. Mohammed Rahman Sore highlighting the importance of access to big data when attempting to produce scientific research capable of competing on a global scale. Mohammed also mentioned Sierra Leone's experience of Ebola. 
community to bring it on the road and block the road. Well, you can tell there's a certain amount of tension because there's people around here who don't want us here at all. Um, they're spraying themselves now on the way in and we will have to do the same. Um, and despite it going on for so many months, really high level of fear and suspicion from everyone. There are hundreds of cases of Ebola every single week and the world was uh, terrified, quite frankly, as to whether or not what was an exponential growth in the number of cases could actually be reversed. Whether these horrific pictures we were seeing in television, in our newspapers, of dead people on the streets of capital cities of West Africa could be reversed. Reporter Bushia Fala spoke to assistant physician Zaze Yeke in Liberia. Zaze works for Doctors Without Borders and was on the front line of the 2014 Ebola epidemic. We get to hear what it was like living in Liberia at this time. It was very traumatic at the beginning, especially with Modifolia. We had no broad knowledge about Ebola because it was a strange disease. We have to leave our family, stay in an isolated area. Were there other researchers that left uh, the country because they felt that Ebola crisis was too high and they didn't know when the country was going to come back to normalcy? Yeah, they have some people because they were scared of the outbreaks, they had to leave. But also other organizations that were working, they had to leave because they were protecting their staff and other things, so they had to leave. Well, for me, I'm a librarian, we have to stay because such a time, it was a health battle and they needed people in the health field to work in that, in that line. Were there other researchers that left uh, the country because they felt that Ebola crisis was too high and they didn't know when the country was going to come back to normalcy? Yeah, they have some people because they were scared of the outbreaks. Zaze tells us that due to the epidemic, the country actually lost educated practitioners as they fled to safer and more stable nations. Not only did this reduce the volume of research being conducted in the country, but it also resulted in a dramatic loss of skilled individuals that encouraged national growth. Zaze does, however, believe that the Ebola outbreak has provided insight into crisis control and could be used as an example to plan avoidance strategies for the future. So what impact has an Ebola made on research in Liberia, especially Liberian scientists? The Ebola crisis helped people to get experience on a lot of things, to know that there are diseases that cause outbreak, and we as a health structure got to be aware of it. In terms of getting the neglectable tropical diseases, I think there's an agent in the ministry that, agency in the ministry that have to see about getting that well done. But Ebola, like other viruses, like mambo disease, and like now we have the corona, they are diseases that cause epidemic and pandemic in the world. Uh, what would you suggest to policymakers in Liberia and other African countries that are faced with similar situations? Okay, for Ebola, it was a good thing because it helped you in that of standing a chance to let your country know that disasters do happen. So for the disaster management team of every country to be on the same bar, 
that during outbreak, it's better to respond as fast as possible to avoid the spread rapidly. Because if we were prepared in Liberia, the disease couldn't move from Fuya to that of Mozzarella or Moravia. But because the air preparedness of our country caused the disease to spread rapidly. So it's like in time of war, we should be prepared for peace, and in time of peace, we should be prepared for war. So we should always be on the alerts. Yeah, there should be a team standby every time for that of eventuality. When researchers leave regions of conflict, they take their scientific data with them. According to a recent study, big data is impacting positively in almost every sphere of life, such as health, aviation, banking, military intelligence, and space science. Africa is set to establish its first big data hub at the National Institute of Statistics of Rwanda, NISR. Although in its infancy, the hub could begin to undergo construction by the end of the year. Big data hosted by Africa could make the continent a powerhouse of digital surveillance in the tracking of future epidemics. That concludes our special episode on conflict this week. Do you have a specific question about development, science or health in Africa? Send us a text and we'll have an expert answer it for you. Contact us via WhatsApp on plus 254-799-042513. You can subscribe to our program, download episodes and leave a review at www.sidev.net. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editor was Ocheng Ogodo with reports from journalists Ashmi Uba and Boshir Fala. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you next Wednesday. This program was funded by the European Journalism Center through the European Development Journalism Grant Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Many thanks to Matia Kupeli for allowing us to use his instrumental piece, Touch.